Children of the world, parents of the world, this is for you. I'm Rowena. And I'm April. We are best friends and moms to five young athletes and sisters to Olympic champions. We have a mission to inspire our kids and your kids through the stories of champions. Who am I? I'm a champion. Who am I? I'm a champion. Who am I? I'm a champion. We have, you guys, today we have Ross Fulkerson here. He is a member of the United States Lead National Rock Climbing Team, and he's currently living in Salt Lake City, Utah. He is a four-time youth national champion, and he received the 2017 North Face Young Gun Award, highlighting his commitment to the sport of climbing, leadership, mentorship, exemplary, exemplary, exemplary... (laughs) How come I can't say that? Sportsmanlike conduct and service to others. We are so excited that you're here today, Ross. Welcome. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm super psyched to to get into it. Uh, we want to hit. We want to go back to the beginning. I'm such a big climbing fan. Um, we do it for fun as a family. But I want to know what was your childhood like? When did you start climbing? Well, how did you get into competitive climbing? Sorry, that's too many questions. But let's start talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I guess going back, I we had uh, some like 80-foot tall redwood trees in our backyard. Um, so I would always be climbing around on those um, all the way up to like 10 or 12 feet from the very top of them. Um, and my dad and I built a couple tree houses in them. And that's where I think my, my climbing really started. Um, and it was to the point where some of the neighborhood parents would be like, oh, I got I don't know if I'm going to let my kids go over because Ross might take them up into the tree and we don't want them getting hurt. Um, but that was a super fun place to monkey around and kind of, yeah, just have fun with it and, and get playful um, with with climbing. Um, and actually, even before that, uh, my grandparents' house had a bunch of ladders uh, going up to kind of these lofts. So my mom and dad would tell stories of me like, climbing on them at like two years old or whatever and they would be nervous at first and then after a while they were like ah if he falls he falls it's it's just a ladder so (laughs) yeah I've been been climbing for a while (laughs) that's amazing actually because I feel like especially this day and age parents are just so like cautious like they don't want their kids to it seems like you know climb things too high or you know get do things too dangerous so it sounds like your parents were a pretty um kind of integral part into leading you into this sport is that true would you say yeah absolutely i'm very thankful for kind of the freedom that they gave me around uh just being outside and exploring some things that might traditionally be considered dangerous but they did a good job like teaching me the fundamentals and like for climbing trees, it was always about having like three points of contact on a limb. So like two hands and a foot or two feet and a hand just to, to be safe. And then like grabbing the branches <laughs> close to the trunk so they don't snap off and all that. But yeah, they were very, very supportive and definitely showed me that it was kind of okay to like go out and push your limits and explore the things that you uh, were passionate about. Did they try to push you into kind of more like mainstream sports too? Or did you try those and didn't like them and kind of told them like, oh, I don't want to do that. I I really want to climb. Yeah, um, I did a fair amount of kind of more mainstream sports when I was like in middle school and elementary school, Um, like basketball and a little soccer and all that. And then I think it was like my eighth birthday party. We ended up going to the climbing gym and like having my birthday party at the climbing gym. And like brought all my friends and just kind of monkeyed around. I was like, oh, like this is really fun. Like I'd 
be psyched to do like a summer camp. So then ended up doing a summer camp at the gym. And this is Planet Granite, um, Sunnyvale in the Bay Area. And then during the summer camp, one of the coaches of the youth climbing team came up and was like, oh, like, you're not bad. You should <laughs> try out for the team or not even try out. It was just you should come and join the team for a session. Yeah. And then from there, I kind of never left and started uh, climbing like two to three times a week for the first like maybe two years. And then it was like four to five times a week for the last bunch of years. And that's when you were eight, you said you you got into the gym? Yeah, exactly. I think I joined the team when I was nine. So I went for like my eighth birthday party. And then again, like on my ninth uh, for my ninth and then kind of joined the team from there. And then it was, I didn't know about competition rock climbing for a while. Like I feel like probably until I was maybe like 12 or 13. And even then it was just like a YMCA, like kind of youth program. Um, and then one of our coaches was like, Hey, like there's actually like these like USA climbing <laughs> competitions and you guys should to do them. And ended up like making nationals my first year and then making nationals like every year after that and competing and realizing it was like a serious sport. Um, and then actually I didn't really realize it was like a whole like world cup sport until, um, a little after that. So I think it was kind of good for me that I like from the start, it was always about just like having fun and competition was obviously like a challenge and something to push myself in, but not necessarily like I was going to be a career rock climber from when I was nine years old, you know, like it's only in the last several mm. years that I'm like, okay, I want to like go to the Olympics and do this for real. And I have like big goals around this, but a lot of kids now go into it at <laughs> eight years old and they're like, okay, I need to be climbing V10 on like, like my third year and be on the national team at like 12 and like have all of these like milestones set out. And I feel like uh, some people burn out because of that. So I was lucky to kind of take a slower progression into it. And then, yeah, now I'm, it's, it's full on. How old are you now? Uh, 21, just turned 21 a couple, couple days ago, okay. March 16th. This is actually a really inspiring part of your story. I think, um, I, I feel like so many young people, like you were saying, get into that mindset of like, well, if I didn't have, you know, if I haven't been working long enough or I didn't have the gym young enough, it's not happening. But you, uh, we know you're working towards the Olympic qualification now mm -hmm. and that that's just inspiring that the dream only came a few years ago for you. What was it like watching the climbers in this past Olympics? Did it G you up? Yeah, it was hugely inspirational. Um, and part of like not knowing or like wanting to go to the Olympics for a couple of years or until a couple of years ago is due to the fact that rock climbing hasn't been an Olympic sport until a couple of years ago. Like Tokyo was the first time was its debut. Ooh. But it was so cool to see all of the like positive uh, attention it saw at the Olympics. And now it's like one of the fastest growing sports in the world um, and kind of got some of the best feedback at the Olympics um, of all of the um, new new sports debuting there. So it's, it's already qualified for Paris and for Los Angeles in 2028, which is will be cool to have it kind of in home stomping grounds. <laughs> and... Yeah, but, but watching the Olympics was, was amazing. And I personally knew all of the, the teammates competing there. So being able to kind of relate to their training and their processes and see that that um, that next step is very much attainable was, was really cool. 
It's it's so cool. It's so cool to be part of that, to see how it's growing so much and to be part of like the beginning of it just now into the Olympics and how just knowing like as sports get into the Olympics, how much it's going to explode. It's so cool to be part of that. I bet you're going to, it's going to be quite the, um, the amazing journey, just not just for you, but also mentoring others. And this is why we wanted you on this podcast because it's like, wait, we have never had a rock climber on the podcast. This is so cool. Like this for, because so many people, like you said, might not even know that they can do this. And it's like, who, as, especially as a kid, like who doesn't like to climb? I mean, not maybe not all kids, but like most <laughs> kids love to climb. Like, wait, I can turn this yeah. into a sport. How cool is that? So tell us a little bit about your like training. Like, what do you do for training? Like on a, I mean, I'm sure it changes every day, but like on a daily basis, like how do you, is it always rock climbing or do you lift weights or is it a mix or yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So it's evolved a lot over the years. Um, but right now it's a combination of yeah on the wall training, um, and you can break that down into like kind of slab practice, practice, um, and more technical skills. Um, and then like kind of power and like coordination stuff where you're on steeper walls, bigger holds, and then also off the wall training. So weights, but that's kind of more of like a maintenance thing. Like we'll do some like weight training cycles and then just for like a couple of weeks. And then it's more kind of maintenance stuff after that. But then a lot of also kind of like visualization, but combined with like balance stuff and mindset stuff like there's so many different components to work on and because like rock climbing is such a new sport and just kind of coming into like the mainstream attention there's constantly new kind of protocols and coaching strategies and training strategies coming out so like over the last two years it's been really interesting to play around with all of these different practices because there's no definitive right way to train for rock climbing and Beyond that, like the sport is evolving so quickly too, that even if there was a right way to train, it would be <laughs> maybe like obsolete in, in two years. Um, like even if you watch like World mm. Cup footage, it's like drastically different the type of climbs that people are doing now than they were even two years ago, let alone 10 or 15 when kind of World Cups um, first started. Being in, in Myringen at the first World Cup of the season, was really cool to see the the route setters uh, kind of showcase a whole new style or ev evolution of competition climbing because this was a, a bouldering competition. So there's four different climbs and the route setters literally with drills put up these different plastic holds onto the wall. And it's like an artwork or like an art piece. Um, and then the climbers come and climb on that uh, and depending on like the, the position of the holds and the angle of the wall and everything, um, you test different skills. But the skills that they're testing in like this comp versus like a couple of years ago are completely different. So it's a lot more kind of gymnastic and like swinging um, and focus on like generating momentum. Whereas before it was maybe a bit more strength-based and like pure pulling and like about finger strength and, and things like this. So there's always a combination and even like the finals round was like very different than the semifinals round. We had like different people doing well and and different rounds. But yeah, I guess that's just to say there's a lot of a lot of variables in, in climbing. Yeah, um, listening to you talk, it takes me back to the beginning of my sister's career in snowboarding. It was kind of the same thing. Snowboarding had just gotten to the Olympics, and um, just watching her be a trailblazer, as like you you said, things changing all the time, things were pro progressing like 
doing things that five years ago no one would have dreamed of. Um, it's a pretty, it's an amazing position you're in. Um, we're excited to watch you. But I want to get back to something you talked about earlier um, when you talked about visualization and mindset training. Is that something that you have sought yourself and taught yourself or do you have a coach or someone that helps you? Mm, that's a great question. It has been all self-taught um but there's starting to be more athletes that are like talking about it and i feel really fortunate to be on the u.s team with some teammates that are very much um into that sort of thing and i think uh we do a good job of kind of discussing uh like the behind the scenes of our climbing and getting at the fundamental kind of problems or opportunities to improve mindset and kind of the mental aspect of climbing because up until a couple of years ago, like it didn't seem like many people were talking about the mental side of climbing. It was all about pure strength training and how tiny of a hold you could hang on or how many one-arm pull-ups you could do. Um, so it's been cool to see that shift uh, yeah. to kind of the mental aspect. And maybe you can get into a little bit of like specifics, like what is what are kind of some things that you do maybe during like a competition or even in between competitions, um, like mindset stuff that really helps you in your, yeah, compete well. Yeah. So on the mindset side, a lot of just like positive visualization and like kind of meditation just to feel present. Um, like when you turn around and see the climb, you've, you've never seen those holds before and it's a completely new problem to, to sequence. So I find that when my head is, kind of cluttered and my thoughts are all over the place it's a lot harder to focus and kind of decode the the rock climb at hand and then like in the competition kind of more specific stuff um, in terms of visualization would be like sequencing the climb so if it's a big jump like literally like walking yourself through the movement um, kind of pantomiming how you're going to do the climb on the pad before you hop on the wall and, and do it for real um, there's a couple of really cool videos of um, this one guy, Tomoa Narasaki, who's pretty much the the best like comp climber in the world at the moment, where he does like a triple clutch dyno on the pad and kind of pantomimes the whole thing and then goes on the wall and does the exact same thing in the same order. And you can see like why that helps so much because you're just walking yourself through it. So when you do it for the first time on the wall, it you've already kind of done done the motions in your head and to some extent, like physically, if you're, if you're moving your limbs through all the movements. But sometimes you, you do climbs where you can't see the climb before you climb. Right. I don't know what's that that's called, yeah. but I think I saw some stuff on that. Yeah. So that, that's kind of what I meant. Um, so for like bouldering competitions, it's all um, flash format, which means you come out to the pad and then turn around. And that's the, your first time ever seeing that climb um, and then in finals you have a preview so you like see it for a couple minutes and then you go behind the wall and then you'll come out again and, and do it but every climb is completely different than mm. any other climb in that competition and then for sport climbing it's the same thing except there's only one route so you'll come out and I have six minutes to sequence the route completely new new holds different positions different orientations everything and then after your six minutes to sequence you usually have some more time to go back and warm up and then you come out and do do the climb for real. So there's different strategies for for the different disciplines. Like in sport climbing, 
in your preview, you have like your six minutes to sequence it. And I try and memorize as much as I can about the route. So when I go back into isolation, I can like close my eyes and rehearse how I'm going to do the climb. So that includes like the clipping position. So where I'm going to clip the rope into the carabiners that hold me if I fall, <laughs> where I'm going to rest, how I'm going to breathe, like my pacing. Um, a lot of different aspects come into that. So that's been a big part of uh, kind of visualization training for, for ropes is like, Literally, how many moves can you remember of a 45-move rock climb? Um, and with every move, there's like a foot sequence. And then you need like A and B solutions for moves that you can't really tell because you're looking at it from the ground and the holes are super far away and you can't, you don't know how good it is. And there's like so many variables. <laughs> so sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming, which is why it really is helpful for me to like just go back and like smile, take a deep breath remember that like you're prepared for this and you've done it before and kind of visualize yourself like being calm and like focus on the route and then kind of get back into the specifics of like how I'm gonna tactically get up this rock climb <laughs> what do you uh what do you love about it like talk us through what keeps you in the game oh a lot of things uh first thing that comes to mind is like the puzzle aspect of it there's something seriously rewarding about like turning around to a climb you've never seen before and having like that gut instinct of oh this is how I'm gonna do it and I need to swing my feet over here and then press up this way and then like turn upside down and go feet first for this section and then triple clutch dyno like to get to the top and having competed for so long and just seen so many uh different climbs it's cool to see how that experience kind of pays off in competitions and you get to just sequence things more accurately and, and get more confident on climbs like that. And then the other big component of it is just the, the community aspect, um, which I'm sure a lot of people say that for like all their sports, but because it's such an, a new sport, like in competitions, when I was 15 years old, I was literally competing and talking to the best rock climbers in the world, which is I think a pretty unique thing. Like you don't just, walk up to a basketball court and start playing with <laughs> LeBron James, you know, even at the world cups, it's really cool to be able to talk and like you warm up in isolation, do the same climbs as literally the best climbers in the world. So I was able to ask uh, Alex Megos, who's another one of the best climbers, just like what he does in ISO and like, what are his kind of visualization practices and have like candid conversations with the athletes at the very top of our, our sport. So yeah, being to, exposed to that at a, at a young age was definitely really cool. And it's like, this is, this feels different. And it feels like you can have an impact and kind of just get a feel for, or I guess at, at a young age, I felt like very kind of close to like my mentors. Um, and that was really motivating to be able to like talk to some of these people and, and get an idea for how they approach the sport. So you must have started traveling quite a bit at a pretty young age. Is that right? It yeah. seems like you guys have to travel a lot. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> And would you would you do that on your own or would your parents go with you? Um when or I was young, yeah, I was traveling with my parents a lot. And then maybe when I was like fifteen or sixteen I started doing some of the competitions on my own. Um and it was cool because there'd be a, a group of like my best friends <laughs> and I and we'd all get an Airbnb with someone older on the team and just have a, a weekend to, to climb and hang out 
and now we travel like as a full like U.S. team, which is really really special. So we'll all show up and rent a couple vans and then have <laughs> hotels to stay at where where we travel. And having that kind of communal <laughs> aspect to it all is is really cool and just promotes that level of of community even more. And just able to to talk to some of the more experienced athletes on our team um, has been really helpful. Just going back um, when you were younger and being around the best in the world, do you think that affected your belief that like, did, was there ever a moment where you kind of looked at them as human instead of heroes and you were like, wow, I can do this? Like, did, did that ever come to you? Yeah, absolutely. I remember I did my very first World Cup was in Vail in 2018 and I kind of qualified through this like backdoor loophole by winning the youth Pan American championships. So like I, I was not at the level of any of these World Cup climbers, but got to go do this World Cup with the best people in the world. And I remember in ISO like almost doing <laughs> some of the moves that like the Japanese team was doing, which and they were like all the, the best climbers uh, at the time and kind of to this day to be honest. Um I was like, oh my God, like what they're doing is possible. Like they're not <laughs> just absolute freaks well they are but like we were <laughs> getting close to to their level so that was like super <laughs> motivating and kind of showed me like yeah it, it is possible and then to bring that kind of psych back to my my squad of, of friends in the bay area and train and be like guys like we can all do this like it just takes like grinding at it still and, and getting better was really cool to see and i think that is definitely kind of trickle down to the young athletes stay like yeah just younger and younger athletes are are able to perform at a higher and higher level so it's it's cool to see that kind of that mentorship aspect is is really coming into play what would you say to somebody that was maybe like eight years old and was like oh rock climbing would be kind of cool like maybe i should get into it like how would you guide them to kind of maybe start that path of competitive rock climbing yeah, I'd say just get into your gym and and climb and <laughs> you don't need to be climbing to compete or anything. It's just about climbing for the the joy of it and finding a a group of people that you enjoy hanging out with and getting outside is also uh really important. Like I was fortunate enough um and had several really influential coaches growing up that would always bring like our team to climb outside, which is a completely different skill set than like competition climbing, especially nowadays because you don't find like crazy dynamic moves like that kind of in that in the outdoors, and it requires more like straightforward physical strength and mental fortitude, maybe. <laughs> but being able to get outside was like kind of an eye opening experience to just be out in nature. And I guess my my family was always like super nature oriented growing up, but then being outside and climbing at the same time was a pretty potent combo. So I, I would say to someone growing up who who's interested in climbing that it's important to just approach it with a lot of fun and, and joy. Like you don't need to train <laughs> right off the bat. And I would say you, you shouldn't be training for your first couple of years. Like you want to kind of get into it naturally. And if you're training right off the bat, you're going to just injure yourself because you haven't built up kind of the the required strength and like your tendons and, and things like that. And then after climbing for a couple of years, if you're, if you enjoy it and everything, then like competition is just another way to, to further that experience and 
and test uh, your your climbing. That's great advice. Thank you. Um, I uh, it's the message that we really spread with this podcast: joy, fun, love, um, and really seeing seeing your sport as a vehicle to self mastery. It's a journey, um, which yeah. it sounds like you're on. You've got like this really zen attitude about it all. It sounds like. Have there been any times when you just didn't want to go on, like you lost sight of the joy that you find in it now? Yeah, definitely. There have been periods where I kind of question the underlying motives, like going through periods of injury and and not being able to climb as much is definitely testing. (laughs) I went through uh, a period like that before uh, team selection last year where like my finger was injured and I, I could still like go climb and still like hang out in the gym and like do a lot of exercises. But there were times where I'm like, oh, I don't even like want to go in and just was like super lethargic and kind of felt bad about myself. And it took kind of taking a step back and being like, well, you don't need to go train or anything. You don't have to do all these things. But when <laughs> you are like, excited about it and, and go in just to climb, like, it's, it is like genuinely so fun and I enjoy it so much. So it took kind of taking a step back and being like, it's okay to take a couple of weeks off and not train and hang on a piece of wood all day. Uh, <laughs> and you can go in and just have fun and play around and kind of tone down the level to where you are like learning and, and enjoying. Um, and that's actually been a big piece of advice or component in my training. I've tried to apply it more tried to apply more recently is like on days where you are like super fatigued or just mentally not quite in it like it's okay to tone down the level of your climbing so you can still like practice executing and climbing well maybe it's just at 80 percent of what you might normally be doing and I've like deliberately tried to do that on a on a regular basis because like you can't always be training at a hundred percent. Like you'll just break yourself. Uh, like that's just too physically and mentally taxing. So choosing the days that you are going to be a hundred percent on it and like executing and like trying at your physically hardest is really important. And then designing in days where you can still practice those habits and techniques, just maybe on boulders that are a bit easier um, and kind of the combination of those two, I think has allowed me to get more intentional practice in and more times where I'm like kind of goal oriented, oriented and not just climbing to climb. Well, that's something actually that we have heard from a lot of people that we've interviewed on this podcast. And I also think it's one of the more tougher things, especially as a young athlete, I find, you know, as you mature as an athlete, you you can do that. But in the beginning, it's really hard to listen to your intuition. And once you can do that, that's where you really are going to find the balance. But it's so hard when you're when you sometimes have to actually even tell a coach, like, I don't feel like doing going all all in today, or I'm going to stop right now. Like I'm, I mean, we're both ski racers. And so we can always bring it back to the ski racing days. And it's like, we're not going to just go out to do 10 runs because we should do 10 runs. Like if you're going to do five really good runs, that's way better. And finding that balance. And I know that even with my sister, she is an Olympic gold medalist. She 
was so good at that. And I used to, as even as an older sister, so you'd think I'd be more mature, would watch her and I'd really envy the fact that she would know to listen to her body and to listen to her intuition, but knowing, you know, when to take it easier and when to, and when to push through. Um, and so it's amazing, actually, even at your young age that you've kind of figured that out and knowing that you have to always get back to finding the joy and finding the joy. And we have heard that, I swear, like Roe said, like from every single person to the point of actually, uh, my oldest is 11 now. And when he's doing his sports, when he when he's t- starting to struggle just a little bit, I can see it. And the first thing I ask him is, are you having fun? And if he can't tell me that he's having fun, I'm like, I don't want to listen you to listen to one thing anybody's telling you about technique right now, about X, Y, and Z for whatever you're doing. I want you to have fun. What is it going to take for you to have fun in this moment? If you're in the middle of a game, how do you have fun? He loves to cheer for his teammates. Go and cheer for your teammates. That's all you should focus on right now. Don't try to like, you know, get so nitty gritty on the little things. So it's amazing that you've actually figured that out because it really can be the magic and it can be, and I can't remember who we were watching this year. I'm going to have to figure it out, but there was a, um, he was a big air. He was in the Olympics just this year. Maybe you remember Rowie, but he was doing, uh, he was a snowboarder. No, he was a skier and he was doing uh, big air slope style. And he literally was just like, I can't compete unless I'm having fun. He's the one that was, um, that had gotten that crazy car accident and, um, literally like almost died. Mm-hmm. And I, anyway, we'll have to remember and, and let you guys know who that was. But literally in his, he did a whole interview on that's literally how he knows if he's going to do well or not. And he, if he's not having fun, he, he almost like wouldn't compete that day because he's like, I know it's not going to go well anyway, especially if it's a dangerous sport. And so being able to find the fun is just so important. I love that you said that. It sounds like I need to go listen to that interview because that's an amazing attitude. And it's cool to hear that everyone is uh, bringing that up. <laughs> Um, yeah, like, to get a bit more specific with that, like in a session, if I like walk in and, and for whatever reason, not feeling it, which is becoming like a more and more rare occurrence with like kind of just these habitual, like morning routines, like breathing and getting some good sunlight in, in the morning and doing a bit of journaling and things like that. But for whatever reason, if you walk into the gym and, oh my gosh, stop for a sec. (laughs) tell us about your morning routine tell us about your morning routine and then finish your thought (laughs) it's it's evolving uh but i like to get up and just kind of walk outside we have a a deck with an amazing view of the wasatch and uh kind of just yeah get some of that natural sunlight in do a little bit of stretching some just breathing like literally just 10 seconds in 10 seconds out um, and if there's any thoughts that come up, uh, that are like causing me stress or kind of throw me off guard, just taking the time to like recognize all of that and kind of just be present in that moment. And then, well, I guess the, the night before I try and write down like five to six things that I want to do that day. So that would be like 20 minutes stretching, like one could literally just be 20 minutes of like mindfulness in the morning, a um, couple of homework assignments, and then my climbing training. And then within the climbing training, that one has a lot more like specifics within it. But just ha- having those six things written out each day or even every other day, because sometimes doing it every day, it just I, like gets a bit much. Um, so if I like fall out of that routine for a little while, I'll do it like every other day and then try and get back into like every single day. Um, but yeah, so the night before, just write out five or six things that you want to accomplish 
and then start the morning just with a half hour of kind of mellow, like just, yeah, being present, going outside, breathing, doing a little stretching, listening to some music, and then having a coffee and then getting into schoolwork are usually like the hardest thing on that list. And then getting after and going and climbing or doing whatever. Um, so that has been really, really helpful and has made it feel like I'm just being a lot more productive with, with each and every day. And then at like, ideally those six things should be over at like five or something. And then you feel like you have a little bit of your day to do whatever. You're not like stressed about completing those, those last couple of things, um, as your day winds down. You put, you're so young, you don't know yet how this is going to help you so much and everything else you do in life. Um, and I'm just thinking about you and how you're focused on a goal and how important that is for just anyone. It doesn't have to be sport, but just to have something that like makes you focus to do those things. You know, how, how many 21 year olds are making a list at night and, and, you know, setting their day up right just doesn't happen very often but I feel like the athletes who start that those habits young you just have such an advantage um for the rest of your life would you I know you're doing school right now you're doing and you know you're focusing you're basically a full-time athlete and you're doing school do you feel like um the things that you learn from the challenges in your sport have helped you in you know, other parts of life. Um, do you have any, yeah, do you have any experience of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> the first one that comes to mind is just the quality, like, and intentional practice. Like it's so beneficial to fully be present when you are training or practicing whatever you are, you're doing. Um, so that's definitely carried over to the the school component. And it's been hard for me to find that that balance with school and climbing and feel like I'm giving that same focus that I give in uh, training to school. So having kind of that morning routine in place has, has helped me to like carve out the time and like mental energy to give school the, the attention it deserves because it is like a, a passion of mine and absolutely something worth spending uh the proper amount of like time and energy on going back to like the community aspect, like taking advantage of your, like the connection and the knowledge around you has been super, super helpful in a climbing context. And it's been interesting to try and apply that more to like my social circles or school peers and just have more like intelligent conversations around whatever it is you are curious about or, or learning about. Like instead of scrolling through Instagram for a half hour and just like ask the person next to you a random question or something you're curious about and have a, a little debate about whatever it is you're you're curious about. I love that. Um, I just have loved talking to you. I And I know that we probably could talk forever, but <laughs> I know that the... Um, these champions, we want to make sure that they hear, hear it to the end. So we don't want to take too much of your time, but I would love for you to um, tell us what does it mean to be a champion to you? Oh, that's a, such a hard one. But I think it means like rising to the occasion on 
a lot of different levels. So rising to the occasion in terms of your your sport in its like simplest forms, so like doing in doing all the training, like putting in the hours, but then also like being a champion and being an athlete in terms of like your mental health and your school and like doing all of these things to like their fullest potential and and not only doing your your sport. Yeah, being a champion is is about a lot of different components and and not only rising to the occasion being an athlete when it term when it comes to your specific sport, but kind of challenging yourself and pushing yourselves in all the different aspects of your life. Um and beyond just like I say challenging yourself, but that also means like giving yourself space and time to like recover and be a human you know everyone (laughs) makes mistakes and it's about learning to have like the habits and techniques in place to always be able to kind of like be proud of yourself and then push yourself and and learn from those mistakes and whatever uh experiences you're you're going through well i love it it sounds like you're just speaking about being a you know, being a champion is basically being on the journey to master, master things through habits and techniques. I love it. Before we finish, I'm actually curious, would you have any, like, if you could go back to your 10 year old self, would you have any tips or messages you would give him? Yeah. Thank you for asking your head. (laughs) I'd say smile and breathe. Uh, That has been like my go-to kind of cue for any stressful or like fearful moment is just take a second, take a big breath and smile and realize that it's all going to be okay. And whatever you're going through is going to be easier to figure out and work out if you're calm and clear headed and not bringing a bunch of like angst and uh, anxiety into that, into that situation. And then also that it it's worth setting setting clear goals and not being afraid to fail at them. I think that has been a component of my competitions lately that I am am working on a lot where in these bigger competitions I don't always try my absolute hardest or it's harder for me to get into trying at my absolute hardest because there's I'm still working through this, but maybe some like component of like, if I try my absolute hardest and I fail, like, what does that mean? That means like, I I don't know what that means, but that's, that's scary to think about. Whereas if I go into the competition and on the really, really hard boulders, I am like only trying 75%, then I can walk away and be like, well, like I wasn't trying that hard. So like, if I had just tried hard, like I would have done it. Um, So like taking responsibility for that goal and be like, no, like I've really freaking care about this competition and I've trained my ass off to like do well at it. So I don't want to give myself any like easy route out. And if I'm not good enough, like that's okay. Like I've, (laughs) I know how to overcome that and I still have like time to train and, and get better. But if you're not leaving it all out on, on the field or court or whatever sport you're doing, then it makes it harder to from to learn from those experiences. So setting yourself up to learn from from your experiences and competitions is maybe my my biggest advice to my ten year old self. 
Oh my gosh. So good. I love it. I feel like that is advice that you could give any, any athlete really. I think that, um, that is something that holds so many people back. Um, I can look at my younger self and say that it definitely is something that held me back too. So, um, I love it. I, I really, I'm excited to watch your career unfold over the next, you know, however many years and to watch you compete in the Olympics and just all of it. It's just really awesome um, to see you and to get to know you. And I'm so excited for everybody to listen to this interview. So thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And it's always so fun to to talk out loud about these things and figure out what I'm going to go reflect on and journal about and in the future. <laughs> Thank you, Ross. 